Auburn Heights, for this time, for the last time, not the last time, because he will be back, but welcome our brother to the house one more time. Amen. Thank you. Let's give the Lord and the worship team a round. Good job. Excellent. What's a special day, amen? Hey, they're all special. Some of them are just specialer than others. Right? So I uh, just wanted to give you a little prophetic thing uh, during worship there. Um, the Lord gave me a vision. Uh, that's one of the reasons I say it's a special night. Lord gave me a vision. I just kind of wrote it down best I could. But um, he gave me this vision of these two big, strong, muscular, black stallions. And, uh, and they were, they had, there was a yoke, but the yoke between these two horses was hanging just by a little string. There's always left. And what the Lord said is, uh, because of the correct heart, for generations here, God is breaking the yoke of religion that exists in the, in the South and in the Bible Belt. He's breaking that tonight. Yeah, that's a big deal. And, uh, and uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, and uh, I'll say this, because God always uses unimportant people to do important things. That's how I got here, amen? So the Lord is going to use me to release this household into this season of awakening tonight. That's going to happen tonight. And, and it's a season of blessing that you haven't seen, uh, blessings greater than you've seen before. It's a season of favor. You need to start walking in it. You know, he can, do, he can say all this stuff, but you have to start walking in it. A season of blessing, favor, and a season of miracles. So, y'all ready for that? I'll give the Lord a hand for that, yeah. Yeah. Hey, why not? That's what we've been dreaming about all these years. Well, uh, it's, it's just like always when I come here, the time goes so fast. And uh, it seems like I just got here, leaving tomorrow. Unless, like Rodney said, I end up on the floor for three or four days. So, we're open to what the Lord wants to do, right? Rodney said this uh, in his opening, and uh, I say it all the time during worship at home. When I'm worshiping, I tell the Lord, this is, it's, this is your house. And it's a, that's a good uh, de- declaration during worship. Lord, this is your house, not our house. We get to be in his house, but uh, this is your house, and, 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 and God can do anything in his house that he wants to do. Amen? But really, the house is not this building. This is the house. So uh, individually and corporately, Paul said it this way, don't you, don't you know, no you not, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God lives in you. So it's this house he's wanting to renew. It's this house he's wanting to uh, overhaul. It's this house he wants to fix up and remodel, amen? So we're getting our house remodeled individually and corporately, amen? So thank you, thank you, thank you for your hospitality here uh, it feels like home. Uh, I've just uh, grow closer to uh, the people here every time I come, and uh, not teasing about that. Uh, you, um, I would say it uh, like Paul said it in one of his letters. You have become dear to me, and uh, uh, we consider you part of our house. We consider uh, our house considers you part of our house. We consider, and, and vice versa. So, 
let's get moving. I want to get moving because we're going to get somewhere tonight. <clears throat> and uh, again, it's going to be a special night. And I'll give you an opportunity at the end tonight and kind of tell you ahead of time. Uh, because I think it's a time that God wants us not to just be part way in, but to be all in. Let you think about that a minute, because I think it's, a, it's not a good time to just be part way there. You know, a lot of people a lot of times stick their toe in the water and then they get their feet back out, but it's a good time, so I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, tonight. Uh, and that's, that's what I believe God wants us to do, is to decide if we're going to be all in in this move of God. See, there's, the Bible is, speaks proportionately all the time. You give, and it's given to you. Uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over with, for with the same measure you give, it's, me, it's proportionate. It's measured back to you. Whoever's faithful in a little, God blesses with a lot. So there's all kinds of proportionate stuff. Uh, you want to give God a piece of your life, you get a piece of God. I mean, you want to give God all your life, you get it all. And this is the time uh, to get it all. So I want to take, to, to start with, how many of you have not been here at all, any of the nights or any of the daytime stuff? Okay, a few people haven't. So I've been talking about the awakening, uh, and I'll quickly say that I've said this every service, so it'll be a little bit of uh, repetition for about a minute. I'll try to keep it about a, one minute, 60 seconds, you can time me. <clears throat> so uh, for uh, 34 years, I've been believing that the church is, that, that I'm going to see the church be more than what I've seen. Uh, I'm, the, the church in power as it's depicted in the book of Acts and in the letters of Paul. And I've seen God do a whole lot of stuff, but I think we're on the brink. In fact, I think we're in the awakening. That's what the Lord says to me. So the awakening is here, but the church is asleep. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the church all over. My church, your, your church, everybody's church. The church is asleep. But this is what we've been believing for, dreaming about all these years. So I've been believing for it for at least 34 years, going on 35. I've been uh, talking about it in extensively, intensively for going on four years and hardly talking about anything else for the last 10 months. And now there's things happening out there and everybody's talking about it. And it's a, it's a, it's a buzzword now, the awakening. And so it's happening. It's going to be released. The season's going to be released, released in this house tonight. Amen. And uh, the other thing here too, is I think it's important that you know and understand and start to walk in it, that you'll have an anointing also to release the awakening wherever you are in your job, in your business, in your ministry, and those kind of things. So uh, it's going to happen everywhere if we participate and walk in it. I want to start by looking at the very first awakening. But in the book of Acts, we'll we'll go fast, and I want to give you a little scripture uh, to build the foundation. And then we'll talk about a lot of practical stuff, and where we're going to get to is, what do we do now? Where do we go from here, Right. In Acts chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, there's some really key language here. I want you to watch it and pick up on it. With one accord, everybody say one accord. With one accord, they all continued in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. There was a gathering of about 120 people in that upper room. Acts chapter 2, you know Acts chapter 2, right? Verse 42 through 47, all the believers were together. It doesn't just mean they were in one place. It means they were together in heart, in mind. They were in one accord. All believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they shared with anyone who was in need with one accord. Say one accord with me, 
with one accord. That's really, really important because that's where the favor of God comes when everybody gets on the same page. Not just on the same page, but on the same page with God. Amen? In one accord, they continue to meet daily in the temple course and to break bread from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart and praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, here's what happened as a result of them being in one accord. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so one of the things, one of the indicators of this awakening is there's going to be unprecedented numbers of people coming to the Lord, being born again, being saved. My question to you in this house, are you ready? And so I would get ready. I would prepare. I would teach. Uh, I would teach every person how to pray with someone to receive Jesus. And uh, uh, Kim said it during worship. A lot of this stuff is going to happen at the church. More of it's going to happen outside the church. Amen? That's where, it's, that's where the bulk of it, I believe, is going to happen. It's, that's one of the things in this season. So the Lord added to their number daily those who were to be saved. <clears throat> Here's what it means to be in one accord. To be in one accord means to be in agreement or unity with others. It implies that people have come together with a common purpose and are working towards a shared goal or objective. When people are in one accord, they share the same mindset, attitude, and vision and are willing to work together in harmony to achieve a common objective. Being in one accord can be beneficial in many situations, whether it's in a workplace, a family, a team, or a community. When people are in one accord, they can accomplish more together than, than, they, could, uh, individually, than they could individually, and they can support each other through difficult times. Acts chapter 6, remember they added to the church daily those that should be saved. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, because they were in one accord, because they shared those things, because they were... Uh, on the same page with God, right? Uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in those days, the number of disciples was multiplying. So it went from adding to the church daily to multiplying. And I'll ask you again, are you ready for that? Now, I said I've been uh, believing and praying for it for 30-some years, talking about it extensively for uh, going on four years, and talking about hardly anything else for about uh, nine or ten months. And if any church ought to be ready for it, our church ought to be ready for it. But if 100 people showed up next week and another 50 the next week and another and another, we're not ready for it. So you need to be thinking ahead and you need to be thinking about what you're going to do with the people who come. So everybody needs to step in place. And you're not here by accident. And uh, a lot of people, you know, a, a lot of people think the ministry's for someone else, right? But uh, that, that's not going to work in this season. In fact, it's really not even biblical. What is biblical is he, Jesus, has given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the building up and the edifying of the body and for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So my chief responsibility and Rodney's chief in, in my house and Rodney's chief responsibility in his house is not to do all the ministry. That's a break from Bible Belt mindset because they expect you to do everything and be good at everything. And I've decided in this season, I'm not going to do everything. I decided that a long time ago, but the pressures of the Bible Belt will keep forcing you into that corner. So you have to start to find your place. And it's a process. I'd love to teach that whole series here sometime, finding your place. <clears throat> but very simply, and cutting through the chase of all that, is if you want to find your place, the, the quickest, best way to do it is to see an area of need in this house somewhere, in this church, and, and step in, volunteer, and start to help. Well, you might find out that the nursery is not where you belong. But uh, finding out where you uh, are not gifted is as important as part of the process in finding how you are gifted. So I encourage you to do that. <clears throat> 
So uh, the number of disciples is being multiplied. So God expects more from leaders. And I've got pages upon pages of stuff I feel like the Lord has given me in those uh, really rich times I've spent with God. Some of the richest I've ever uh, spent with him in, in, uh, in my 40 years of learning to walk with him. He expects more from leaders. Don't you agree, though? He should. He should expect more from leaders and leaders. I speak to the leaders in this house. And maybe some of you have not thought about yourself and being a leader, but God's put, putting people on the fast track. You need to start to think of yourself as a leader in some sense and allow. Uh, see, I never, ever thought when uh, my life made the turn in 1984, I got saved in 74 and I've told you that story, but uh, I never, ever would have thought I would ever be doing something like this. So you got to keep the ends open and allow the Father to lead you and speak to you because there, there's really no telling how God wants to use you and what magnitude. See, if you're faithful in a little, that, that proportionate thing, if you're faithful in a little, God will bless you with more. So just be faithful. You start by, by doing this. Be faithful right where you are. That's how you get promoted in the kingdom. If you can't be faithful where you are, you're not going to get promoted in the kingdom. Amen? <clears throat> So God expects more of leaders, and I've been uh, really straight up, not hard on, because uh, I've got the most unique group of leaders. These are two of my elders, uh, Eric Easter and Roy Varnell, two of the youngest ones, uh, six other guys, uh, and seven, including me, and uh, the Lord's given us some uh, stiff orders, and uh, he's being uh, straight up, and uh, not tough beyond uh, reason, but he's being tough with us. And I've said to these men and, and women here in, our, in this leadership meeting that this move of God is going to require a level of leadership that none of us have ever seen or experienced before. So he's going to take us complete, especially leaders, completely out of our comfort zone because there's nothing going to happen in the body of Christ until leaders begin to embrace what God's doing and walk in it themselves. And it's a heart change. It's a heart it's a continual heart change. It never stops, really. He's conforming us into the image of Jesus. And, you know, uh, I'm a lot more like Jesus than I used to be, but I still got a long ways to go. Amen. And so God's in for the long haul. He's long suffering. He's patient with us. He's, and this is one of those seasons, again, I believe, if, uh, if, you know, if God has your heart, he can get your feet where they belong. Is God's going to put people on the fast track. He's going to mature you in a quick way because he needs people right now. And the ones who are going to do the Heavy lifting and the ones that are going to be the most effective and productive in this season, I keep hearing it from the Lord, are going to be those mature sons and daughters who understand their sonship, who understand they're not just a servant. You know, sons serve a lot more than the hired hands, amen? And the difference between a son and a servant is a son has an inheritance. A hired hand doesn't have any inheritance. Sons have an inheritance. And the Bible says that you're joint heirs. You're joint heirs with Jesus. You need to pick up on this. You're joint heirs with Jesus. It doesn't just say you have an inheritance, but you're joint, you have the same inheritance that Jesus does. So here's an example the Lord gave me a long time ago. So let's say out here south of town somewhere, uh, you had a, this uh, elderly lady died, and she had uh, lots of property nobody knew about. You didn't even know she was your aunt. You got called to the courthouse, and uh, somebody else in this room got called to the courthouse with you, and they told you and this other person that you have, uh, you have inherited a section of land, 640 acres. I bet 640 acres out here in this part of the world is worth a lot of money. So you, you and this other person now are joint heirs. It doesn't mean that this other person has 320 acres and you have 320 acres. It means that you two have 640 acres. So if you're joint heirs with Jesus... It doesn't mean he has an inheritance and you have an inheritance. It means you and Jesus have the same inheritance. I mean, just say amen anyway. 
And I'll tell you what that means. So Jesus, his inheritance, he's, he's only in one business. And his inheritance is people. So you have an inheritance in people. And in some strange kind of way, you are part of my inheritance. And so you have people in front of you, people around you, people in your circle of influence. You need to see those people that you work with, that you associate with, that you do fun things with. That's your, that's your field of ministry, and that's your inheritance. And uh, you don't have to try to work it around and get the conversation around to Jesus. God will do that for you. And I'll tell you the quickest way into, the, quickest, the easiest entry level into ministry. I'll get to that in just a minute. So, so he's really, he's tough on leaders. And I've been straight up with my leaders. And I'm, when I have uh, elders meetings now, I said to the, the leaders yesterday, uh, at this stage of the game, these men that God has assembled with us, I'm not going to come together and spend 30 minutes talking about the light bills and the expenses and stuff like that. I'm going to talk about what God is saying. And so you need to shift in how you think as a leader and leadership team around here and start to talk, uh, start to talk about what you're hearing God say and start to, because people want to follow somebody that's hearing the Lord and God is in a talkative mood and he wants to use this house. He wants to use this house to light up this whole part, this, not just this town, not just this little area here. It just quit thinking so small. He wants to use this house to light up this whole region. Yeah, well, think bigger, bigger than that. If you get faithful in a little, then he'll keep on blessing that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be tough with leaders a little bit. If you think being a leader is just showing up at a meeting now and then and giving your opinions all that's required, you're in for a rude awakening. It's a lot more than that, especially now. If you're a leader and not doing anything, you're really not a leader. Leaders get on the same page with the Lord, get on the same page with one another, get in one accord, and start saying the same thing, speaking this with the same voice. Um, I ran this one by Rodney, and I thought, you know, this is pretty tough, but uh, Rodney and the leaders here, trust me, and uh, I really, uh, I, I really uh, take that serious. And uh, I made sure that this was okay with Rodney. But if you can't go along with what you believe the leadership is saying, just move out of the way and, and, and stay out of the way of what God wants to do. Is that okay? Okay, well, the, the, the hide will grow back later on. Amen. So, so I've been given authority by the leadership of this house to tell you what I believe God's saying. You have to decide if, if what I'm telling you is God or not. Um. The entire thrust of my whole message uh, in our, in our uh, uh, leadership meeting yesterday, someone said, uh, I think Howard said something about, you know, when you're different than the other evangelists that have come, well, I'm not an evangelist. My main message, the thrust of my whole message here at home at Starkville, Mississippi tomorrow, my message is to the church. And hey, I, well, he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for uh, the building up and edifying of the body and for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. But uh, what I've noticed uh, down through the years is that more often than not, lost people are not coming to church. Now, you still need to be ready to evangelize, and you still need to give an invitation here and there about salvation because people are going to start to come. It's becoming more important now than it was before because in almost every service at home now, we're, we're getting people saved. And 
that it's just happening. We're baptizing, we probably baptized more people last year than any five-year stretch that we've had before. This is another indicator. So be ready for that. That's going to happen right here. So <clears throat> you got to decide if uh, what I'm saying, you, you have to decide. I think the leaders have decided. Have, have you not? Uh, I think leaders have decided right here. They're, they're nodding their heads. So we, we've talked about this stuff, talked to Rodney about it a lot. So if you really believe that, it's going to bring some major changes to this house. It's not business as usual. Everything's changing. And if you're going to be relevant in this move of God, you have to be, you have to be willing to change too. You need to decide that now because the change really needed to happen yesterday, right? So is this, it's a, the, the awakening is here and most of the church, is, a lot of the church is not even aware of it yet. And you have an opportunity uh, and I think you're going to say, yes, you have an opportunity to be on the front end. I mean, they're talking about it a lot now, but still, it's still a new thing. And you have an opportunity to be on the front end of what God is doing. And if you accept that, amen, as uh, people that are made, we remember the old uh, uh, weekly uh, television series, Mission Impossible. Remember the guy would go and get this packet in the mail and he'd get this cassette tape out and he'd play that cassette tape. And at the end, uh, your mission whatever his name was, should you accept it? You know, it's Mission Impossible. This is kind of a, if it wasn't the Lord involved, what we're talking about would be like Mission Impossible. But this is Mission Possible. But we still have to cooperate. We still have to walk in it, and we still have to believe. So it's not business as usual. If you're going to be relevant, you've got to change too. Um, this is one of the challenges for leaders and everyone else involved too is uh, we've learned a lot. I've learned a lot in the, the last 34 years being a leader in my church, starting with just six or eight people. But I've learned a lot. But we've got to be careful not to try to fit what God is doing in our paradigm or our box of what we've seen God do before. But Because one of the things the Lord's saying to me is he's going to start to move and do things in unorthodox ways. What's well, not un unorthodox for God because he just can do anything he wants to do, but it's gonna, it could be really, really unorthodox for us as church people to try to compare what God is doing now with something that he's done or we've seen him do before. So you don't have to forget what you learned. It's going to be really, really helpful to you, but don't try to fit God in that box of how he did it before. <clears throat> it's going to look different than anything we've seen before. I think it's, it could look different everywhere. While it's going to have some similarities, what's going to happen, how it's going to look in your house could, could have some similarities, but it's going to look different in our house. And so uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's one of those things like it. I think God's doing that so it can't be copied. You try to copy the characteristics or try to copy the things that, caused, that appear to have caused that to happen in my church or your church. Uh, because God doesn't want it copied. And again, there's no substitute for, for all of us, especially leaders. There's no substitute. There's no playbook for this, right? There's no playbook for this. Uh, there's no substitute. There's no plan B. We've got to get desperate to hear what God is saying and be courageous enough and use the high quality of faith that we already have and walk in what God's saying to us. It's, uh, it's kind of like... Well, you could look at it, it's kind of like working without a net, except it's the safest place you can be, amen? So it's not working without a net at all. So God, can we just agree that God is up to something big? God's up to something big in our time, and, and, and can we agree that God wants you deeply, deeply involved in that? Can we agree on that? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if, if, you, if we can get there, you already set yourself apart 
from a lot of the church who kind of stuck in tradition. So you're setting yourself apart by realizing that God's doing something and, and he wants to use you to do it. And uh, so that's big. Um, so Sunday we talked about uh, just wake up. And we did the same thing here that God told me to do at my place. First off, we met with the leaders in the back room. Uh, I made sure that it wasn't going to be offensive to them. I made sure with my guys it wasn't going to be offensive. And all I did, the, the, and what I felt like God told me to do with my leaders is just to get them in the back room before church on a Sunday morning and just touch them and speak to their spirit and tell their spirit to wake up. And I said then, and I said here, and we said to you, and I'll say it again tonight, I'm not saying you're asleep. I don't think you're asleep. I just want to make sure you're not. Amen? So that's what it is. So nobody should get their feelings hurt, hurt over that. Monday night we talked about, and that we, that during the invitation we did this. And uh, I encourage you, keep on doing this because this is kind of what it's about. We, we pray this prayer, Lord, show me myself. And God will start to show us, and it's, he's doing a deep surgical work. He says there's a wave of righteousness and holiness coming. When I said that the first time, everybody said amen. Uh, thank you, but without really thinking about it, if there's going to be a wave of healing, I mean, of, of righteousness and holiness, then it's going to require a deeper work in our hearts. So when you ask God to show you yourself, Lord, is there anything in me that needs to be changed? He's probably not going to go, mm, I can't think of anything. He's going to tell you. That's a prayer that God's going to answer very clearly, and he wants to do it now. So there's a deep surgical work. It's more accurate than laser surgery. Amen? So asking him like we did the other night, remember, what he, whatever he said to you is the tip of the iceberg. Keep on asking him because there's no room for flesh in this move of God. He wants to get all the flesh out of the way. Why? So it can all be God. That's, what it's, that's, how it, that's why it's going to work so good. And... We, we don't want to just see a flash in the pan and, uh, and, uh, and, and something happen for two months, three months, or six months. We want, don't you want to see this thing last from now on? I, I think it could be. I'm not prophesying this. I think this could be the last great awakening. And uh, we'll see. And I said to my people, listen, if I'm wrong on that, all that's happened is you just got really, really prepared. And you're ready for it. And, we're, and, and, and we'll be ready for it if it comes later. But I, I think this could be it. So we'll see. <clears throat> Last night, we met with the men. We talked about one of the, my favorite things to talk about, and that's hearing God. And I try to make that as simple as possible for several reasons. One is, if you, uh, and hopefully you did, are, and will, are relating to God as Father. That's the, most that's the most important thing that I can say to you. Learn to relate to God as Father. If, uh, and, 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 and then you begin, it's easy to understand that fathers, if you're a parent, you got to got a head start in understanding this. Fathers want to talk to their kids. So we just break it down and make it easy that God wants to talk to you. And uh, yeah, you're a servant of the Lord, but you're more than that. You're a son or daughter. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And God sent forth his Spirit into our heart says over there in Galatians, crying out Abba, which just means daddy. He wants us to relate to him like that. And we, when we do that, we come into our sonship. And I said, if, you, if you're not aware of that, and a lot of the church is not. If you're not aware that God calls you a son or a daughter, uh, you can go to church till you're blue in the face. And, but, and, you know, I'm, I don't want to say you're on the wrong track, but you're not on the complete right track if you're not coming into and gravitating into your sonship or daughtership, so to speak. Amen? 
So he's called you a son. We should get the, we should, uh, we should walk in it, get the benefits of it, and then impart that, uh, and then grow up. Um, first, second, third John, one of those he's talked, spends a lot of time talking to these three groups, not necessarily in the natural, little children, young men, and fathers. God wants to grow you up to be a father, a mother in the Lord. And that's what he wants to do. Paul said it. You may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. It's worse now than it was then. In the natural and in the church, it's worse now. There needs to be fathers. It's time for leaders to lead, fathers to father. So we talked about hearing God, and we talked about the importance of it. We talked about the urgency of hearing God now. It's really, really important now, like I said a while ago. And we learned how to do, how to, uh, what to do with what you hear. And one of the things that I told several stories about, just kind of stories just like you have, about things that I know I heard the Lord on. So when you first hear the Lord, you just think you heard him. And most of the time, you're not going to know you heard him or know that it was the Lord until you add faith to that and step out in what you believe God said to you. And I'll tell you this, I want you to catch this. You hear God right now better than you think you do. You're not going to miss God as much as you think you will. So step out. Step out by faith. If you miss, gather up. Figure out why you miss. Take another big step. Amen. God's not looking for people who will play it safe, especially in this movie. He's looking for people who will swing for the fence and bet their life on what he's doing. Amen. So now what? Let's get down to it. Now what? What, what? Where do we go from here? One... One, and I think, it's, I think it's specific and unique for every group of people, no matter how large or how small, this is the most important thing to, 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 to get in on what God is doing. Now, figure out what God is doing. Well, how do you do that? Well, you listen. You listen, and you listen good. It's going to look different everywhere, like I said a while ago, so it can't be copied. Rule number two is figure out what we need to do to adjust and shift what do we need to do based on what we believe we're, uh, what we're hearing God from? So move now, adjust now, shift now. Everybody say now. Like that means right now. Rule number three, pick up the pace. And it's not a time to be wishy-washy. It's not a time to play around. This is the real thing. And uh, uh, Rodney has, I think other people in this room have too. I've given my life to this. This is not play-like for me. This is the real thing. This is what I've been believing for. And I'm doing the best I can in my house at home to make my house and my house look like and function like and work like the church that God wants to have uh, so that it really works. Uh, so it's streamlined. So it's full of the power of God. So it's full of the, the love of God. And it works like it's supposed to work. See, there's nothing like the church. Well, it's so imperfect, it's not even funny. But it's still the only organism on the planet that God has given the power and authority to work hand in hand with him to extend and advance the kingdom of God. So as imperfect as it is because we're as full of us imperfect people, God's going to use it to the fullest degree. Jesus said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell won't stand against it. But God's chosen way to do it is to do it through people like us. And by God's own design, he won't reach over the church and do what he's given us the authority and the power to do. It's time for us to walk in it. Amen? Well, let's see. Pick up the pace. 
That's what I've said at home. We're, we're picking up speed, and uh, we got to make quicker decisions. That's not just for leaders. That's for everybody. In your business, in your job, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your start to make quicker decisions and better decisions. Stop mulling stuff around. Now, you'll know if you're going to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. You'll know when to slow up a little bit. You'll know when to move forward, but we need to make better decisions, quicker decisions. Uh, again, I've said it. You, you've, we've learned a lot, but this is different. And uh, the, the, this, here, here's something that we did at home, and uh, we, we didn't kick, kick it in gear till after the thing happened in Asbury, but we had talked about it for two months ahead of time. Because if you do any kind of study on previous awakenings, there's been quite a few of them down through the generations and in different places, different countries and different continents and stuff. But if you look, that one of the things that it's almost a textbook for every one of them is there's a concentrated effort of prayer. So uh, kind of a no-brainer is for me, as, because all this stuff God was saying to me about the awakening is, there's 168 hours in the week. And what, how I felt the Lord directed us was to get this. We have this big uh, poster board thing. Uh, we did a grid of 168 hours, and we were working to get, the, get, to get every hour someone to pray every hour around the clock. We don't have it completely full yet, but we're getting close to it. And I also suggested, because I felt like it was the Lord, that we have a 30-day thing over here of people who would agree to fast one day a month. That thing is just filled up. And then, and I'll give this to Rodney, not that you would have to use it or it's required or anything like that, but I spent, I spent a whole Sunday teaching, because I think this is important. Uh, I think it's important for you as well. I, uh, you, I think you should consider it. Uh, but uh, but I, I'll give Rodney the, the whole, uh, my notes on the kind of instructions on to how, how we pray. And that thing could be a work in progress. It could change and, as we go along and as we find out more stuff, more better ways to pray. So I'll, I'll get that to you if you're interested, okay. Um, <clears throat> so prayer, it's, it's always important, right? But it's more important now than it's ever been. Um, practical stuff. Prioritize your relationships because this is a, you have something here. Sometimes it takes somebody from the outside to come and point out what you have here. You have a level and depth of friendship and relationship here that most churches don't have. It's really an important, it's really a precious kind of thing. It's really valuable. It's pretty rare in the body of Christ today. So you have that. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, again, you, so nurture your relationships, prioritize your relationship, relationships, and heads up because you are a church, a family, really, that's built on relationships. So it's a no-brainer as to where the enemy will try to attack and strike, right? So we talked about this already. I'm not going to labor the issue, but you have to make... So let's do it this way. We're all only in the same room because of the sovereignty of God, right? I wouldn't have got here. I wouldn't, you know, you look at your life and I'll look at mine. And there's nothing short of a chain of miracles that God has done to get us all in the same room, into the same place, and maybe even in one accord at the same time. So God had to work really, really hard to do that. So maybe, just maybe, I've already decided, you can decide, maybe that these relationships are that, that are involved are more important than we have... Uh, previously give them credit for being important. Amen? And I think we should do the same thing with these relationships. 
that we do at the wedding. What God has joined together, right? Let not man put asunder. And just heads up, because that's how the enemy loves to strike and loves to attack. And like I said earlier, how you get past that is you, make, you put the same value on relationships that God has. And when they're in every relationship, given enough time, there's problems. Have you noticed that? Uh, so if you're married and you've been married a long, long time, you've been doing this, whether anybody told you this little equation or not, because you can't stay married if you make the problem more important than the relationship. So what you got to do right now, you can do it tonight, right now. You can make your relationship more important than the problem. And then when the problem comes, you're required to deal with it. And when you invite God into the problem, sometimes you might need a mediator to help you work through the issues, whether it's a business partnership or a marriage or a friendship or whatever. And sometimes it, you just need a little help doing that. But the payoff is this. And the world doesn't do it. And the church hasn't been very good at it. We need to be better at it. But what happens is God restores the relationship and makes it stronger and better than it was before the offense. That's a big deal. And a lot of people have not put that to the test. They walk away from a friendship. They walk away from a business partnership. They walk away from a marriage. And that stuff happens. No condemnation if you've been in any of that. But just heads up because this is a time where the enemy wants to strike at relationships. <clears throat> um, and uh, I think this is important because those two things got me on that trail of preaching a year on what needs to happen for the church to be the church. One is the supernatural power of God, signs and wonders. There's going to be an increase in that. And so expect to be, it's what the Lord said to me, expect to be inundated with impossible situations. Well, they're not impossible, but they look impossible. Amen? And because with God and with, with man, there's things that's impossible. With God, nothing's impossible. So... Uh, but the other thing uh, is really more important than that, and that is this. The expression and the opportunity to love like Jesus did, to love with agape, unconditional. Well, that's a, the best a definition that we have. It's far stronger than that. The Bible says that God is love. He doesn't just have it. He is it. Amen? And he wants us to have that and walk in it. We're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. But I think this, if you love well, you're going to come out okay. And if you love well, I think you have, if you do that one thing right, I think you've got a good chance of getting everything else right. And it's going to be put to the test. And uh, the thing that God keeps on reminding me of, don't let your intimate time with the Father suffer. Don't remind one another. Remind one another. Are you getting some good time with God? Are you getting some alone time? Get quiet. You don't have to say anything. Nothing wrong with praying. I mean, the Bible says in all prayer and supplication uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But it's also really, really good to listen. And one of the things I said in one of these sessions was this. The, I found out the more that I listen, the less I have to ask God for. He just, he'll, he'll show you the things before you ever even ask him. He'll show you the things that you that uh, you need to know. In fact, one of the things I taught last night was you, you're on a need-to-know basis with God. Whatever you need to know about everything. Uh, you, you say, about what? About everything. Whatever you need to know in precise timing, God will give you. And we get desperate to hear God's voice and make it a priority. And we start to discern. We start to hear the voice of God. And it gives you a, an extreme advantage in every area of your life. 
So don't let your intimate time uh, suffer with the Father suffer. Nothing's more important. There's no substitute for that. That's what it's all about. The awakening is not about the awakening. The awakening is about the heart of man turning more to God. That's what it's about. That's what causes the awakening. The awakening is a byproduct of us going deeper with the Father. Amen? That's, that's what it is. Um, so this is really important. And if some of the ministry's going to happen here, a lot of it's going to happen right here. Uh, but I think more of it's going to happen out there. And I think maybe you kind of agree with that. That kind of is off the grid a little bit for people in the Bible Belt. And we live in the Bible Belt as well. But one of the <clears throat> easiest, best entry levels into ministry. I'm going to ask a question. It's audience participation time. Just be honest. I'm not trying to fluff it up or get you to do anything. How many of you would say that in the last week, someone has told you their problems? Keep them up. Gosh. That's like, it's almost everybody. 95%. I just did the math. I'm really good at math. Yes, 95.6% of the people in this room raised their hand. Okay, here's the, here's the key. Any, this is good. It's, a, it's the easiest entry level into ministry there is. Anytime someone starts to tell you their problems, there are several things at work. One is, evidently they trust you a little bit. And I would value that trust, someone trusting you enough to tell you their problems is a big deal. That's a big deal. The second thing is, anytime someone is telling you their problems, what they're really doing is asking for help. And guess what? The good news is, you have, you have it right now. You have right now what the whole world is looking for, whether they know it or not. And it's so much easier to do ministry when someone just throws the door open by telling you their problems. You don't have to know a ton of Bible. Nothing wrong with it. I encourage it. It'd be, be good for you. But all you have to do is be available and be able to and be willing to pray. You don't have to pray any kind of professional sounding prayer. I mean, the, the, the prayer that got the most done for me in my life was the most amateur sounding prayer I ever prayed. God, if you're out there, you got to help me. And uh, he lacks those kind of prayers. He lacks desperate prayers like that. You don't have to be a professional at it, but you will get better at it after you do it. So for some of you in this room are going to have to cross over that threshold and come out of your comfort zone a little bit and begin, because in this season, God's going to use everybody to do it. And you got to decide. I would decide now. And uh, is it scary? Yeah. If you've never done it before, heck yeah, it's scary. But you can do it. Amen. He, God has faith in you. And, and now you know when someone's telling you their problems, they're asking you for help. And you got it. You got the goods. You, you know what will help them, right? Because that's what helped you. And somebody prayed for you. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah. And get equipped. Rodney's an equipper. And leaders can equip all day long. But if you just come to get fed and not going to do anything with what you're fed, you're not really getting equipped. So come walk in the door with the mindset that I'm coming in the door today. Get you a pencil and paper out, take you a few notes. I'm coming in the door today to get equipped. And, uh, 
And when you do that, it changes everything. And if a body like this one, if, a, when, if and when a body decides that, that's one of the most powerful things that can happen to cause transformation, to cause growth, and to cause, if everybody will buy into that and then start to walk in that, there's not much that can comp compare with that. And that's kind of one of those lost kind of things. It's in my book, The Best Kept Secrets in the Kingdom. Well, the reason it's one of the best kept secrets is a lot of the church doesn't even do it. They don't even focus on that verse. So get equipped and start to walk in it. <clears throat> well, now it's just going to be invitation time. And so what, one of the things God's done with me over the last six months is um, he'll give me, it's kind of like my other little analogy about in the church and outside the church. He's given me this much stuff to teach. The last six months has kind of been like, and he's given me this much stuff to do the invitation on. It's been powerful. We've had people come broken. We've had people come getting saved. We've had people come getting set free, all kind of stuff. So here's, here's a little analogy. The awakening, what's happening now, is an adventure. It might be the great adventure. See, God has created you. He's created us. When he created mankind, we created Adam, then Eve from the rib, we're created for adventure, for the conquest of life. There's nothing like, there's nothing like the conquest of life. And this conquest that we're, that, we're, that we're in now, the season that we're in. The Bible talks about you being an overcomer. And uh, if you're going to overcome, then you have, you're going to encounter things that you need to be able to overcome. He said that about you. It's been, he made sure that it was written down so written down so you would know that you're going to overcome. Whatever you're going through right now, I'm just going to, that's an easy one here, I'm just going to prophesy to you. You are going to overcome this thing that you're going through right now. You're going to overcome. Why? Because of what you do? No, it's because of who you are. And I've said this a lot over the last 10 or 12 years. I'm more concerned about teaching my people who they are than what they ought to do. Because if you, when you figure out who you are, then you start to do what you're supposed to do with your life. Amen? So it's important you know who you are. So we're overcomers. It's like this is the analogy the Lord gave you. It's like there's a storm. You're on a boat or getting ready to leave the shore there, but there's a storm on the sea. But there's like something, you just know it is, something out there. There's just something out there in the sea that is extremely, extremely rare and extremely valuable. Valuable enough for you to consider to brave the storm, to come off the beach and brave the storm. It's something full of light. It's something full of life. It's something to live for. It's something to die for. It's that conquest. It's the great adventure. It's something worth, worth risking it all for. It feels dangerous. Does it kind of feel dangerous to you? Because it is. It is dangerous. It really is. That's not for the weak-hearted. It's not, for the, it's not for those who want to shrink back. It's not for those who can't take up their cross. It's, this, is, this, this is real stuff. It's dangerous, but it's so worth it. And it's calling for you now to leave this place of safety, to leave the comfort zone. And, you know, the question is, really, will you launch out into the great unknown or will you just set up camp, hang out on the dock, and wonder what those crazy people are doing that have gone out on the sea in the middle of the storm. Well, you'll be able to hear the reports of those that are out there on the sea. They probably get knocked down. They probably get 
beat up a little bit, they get back up. You know why? Because they're overcomers, because they're more than conquerors, because they're going after something that God wants them to attain and receive and walk in. This could be the part of your life that you were created for. I think it is. I think this is the part of your life that you were created for. Some will choose safety, and that's okay. That's your reward. You be safe. But others, I quote Steve Jobs on this. I was fascinated with him. I hated it when he died because he was such a, like he's the Thomas Edison or more of our age. But here's what he said. And why would I read this? Because it applies to you. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, you can disagree with them, glorify them, or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things. They push the human race forward. People like you. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are just the ones who do it. The ones that believe God's going to do something. I look around this room. I know some of you. No, I know you better than just I know you on a surface level. I know some people in this room, Gigi. I know some people in this room, Shane. I know some people in this room, Jody. I know some people in this room, Tim. I know some people in this room, Mark and Patty. I know some people in this room. And I've just kind of made my assessment. I think you're just crazy enough to do it. I think you're, are, are you crazy enough to do it? To go after what it is out there that looks dangerous and is dangerous, but you're just crazy enough. Because there's nothing, there will never be anything in your life that's so worth going after than this. What's happening now is so important, more important than any, myself included, more important than anyone knows or understands That God needs people like us to rise up with what they've been given, with what we already have and have enough of, and start to march in step with the Father and let his kingdom come. Amen? So we're going to have an invitation in just a second to invite you to come forward. You need to think about it and count the cost uh, because it costs. It's costly to go all in, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the things that the Lord wanted me to do first you don't have to stand up yet, but I want you to, if, if this applies to you, I want you to get up and come to the front and we want to pray over you because I felt like the father said, there are some people, there'll be some people here tonight who need to get their faith up and running and up and going again because they believed so much for God to do something and it didn't turn out like they prayed and they've kind of felt, they've kind of fell back in their faith and, um, the Lord did this with me the other day. I'm going to do it here because he, he gave me something. And I usually make the invitation real easy for people to respond. And our people are really faithful to do that, you know. I don't try to work it up. I don't think that's the Lord. But, but I always make it real easy. But when I said, when I was doing that part of the invitation, like I'm going to do right now, different, a different thing tonight than it was then. But the Lord said, don't make it easy. Don't make it easy because it's not easy. It's not easy. 
But if you were believing God for something so much and it didn't happen, and you kind of fell back and questioned your faith, maybe even questioned God, he can take it. But God wants to restore your faith and get it back up to the level where, and get you ready for this. So just get up from where you are and come down here. We're going to pray over you. <clears throat> Did this in my house because uh, I made it hard. I thought, there's nobody going to come. And like 40 or 50 people just, bam, there that quick. Now, the rest of you who are not down here, some of you come and just lay hands on them real quick. Just be a quick thing. All we're, all we're going to do, you don't even have to pray for them. I'll do it from here. We're just going to, we're going to ignite, we're going to ignite their faith. And see, the enemy would love to keep your faith, uh, he would love to keep a damper and a blanket thrown over your faith. But God's setting you free. He's releasing a greater level of faith. In fact, I'm just getting this right now in real time. God is stoking your faith. He's going to put you, this is good, He's going to put you in a situation real quick where you find out that your faith has been restored. So I'll say it again, heads up, because you could be thrust into what looks to be an impossible situation. God wants to use you, use you, use that and use this to get your faith back up where it's supposed to be. Amen? So the rest of you, just stretch your hands out up here and agree with us. So Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we just pray that the, that the, the level of faith returns, not just to where it was, but, a, a, but even further, that you, you bring their faith up to the level of the healing the sick, the casting out demons, the raising the dead kind of faith, Lord, in Jesus' name. We just release that kind of faith, and we pray that you'd restore, you'd restore that faith, God, right now in the name of Jesus. You'd just restore that faith. Did I miss somebody? I miss Marvin over here and Tim. Yeah. Yeah. So more of that, Father. More of that right now in the name of Jesus. Just restore their faith. Yeah, give them an opportunity real quick, real quick, to use their faith. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can go back to your seat and get ready to respond to this one. It's a, it's a simple little invitation about being all in. I think you've heard enough. Uh, if I was a lawyer, I was going to be a lawyer one time. Didn't I hope I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now, amen, I think maybe. A lot of people don't think so, but anyhow. So now is not a good time to just be part way in. Would you agree? I mean, we presented quite a case, and uh, you have to decide. See, how you decide if what I'm saying to you is something that God is saying and doing is there's a witness in your spirit about that, that it resonates somehow in your spirit. And I've seen enough, uh, you know, when you're up here, you can tell if people are receiving that and believing that or not, but it looks like it and feels like it in the house. That's why I said a while ago, I think there's some crazy ones in this room. Some of you are really crazy, and that's going to be a good thing. It's going to work out well for you. It's a bad time to be lukewarm. God's calling this whole house to go deeper. Amen. It's, remember, it's a wave of righteousness and holiness. It's a deep surgical work. The blessings that God's going to bring on you and in this house is going to offset the inconvenience, the pain, the worry, and all that. To go all in is really, really costly. And before I invite you to come up and stand up in just a minute, before I, you, you should count the cost. Because it, it's going to cost you, but it's a small small price to pay. Let's stand up. If you think it's too costly, if you think going all in with the Lord is too costly, wait till you get the bill on regret. So if you want to go all in with the Lord, just simple, come on. Come on, we're going to just lay hands on everybody. Just come on. Yeah. Yeah. When, by doing that, you're, 
you counted the cost. I'm going all in with you, Lord. Larry, I know you're all in with the Lord. Tammy, y'all can stay right there. I know you're all in with the Lord. Yep. Yep. I'm going all in. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, I don't think we have to lay hands on anybody for this. I'm going to kind of release a prophetic spirit with Eric and Roy and some of you guys that operate in the prophetic. If God's given you something for someone, I want you to go ahead and be faithful to give that. Is that okay with you, Rodney? Yeah? Okay. Y'all just... uh, Listen, pay attention, and uh, Roy, Eric, real quick. So if you see someone, like I said, that God just lights up. Someone, you, you may not have anything. Maybe just you know that they need to be prayed for. Just go touch them. Maybe God will give you that. If not, just pray for them. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, I think I will just kind of come down the aisle and just kind of touch people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.